0: Blog Talk Radio
1: And welcome to another episode of 3 and Out I'm your host Sammy G, and alongside me, as always, is the doc, where you're everything source for college football in the state of Florida. Doc, talk to me. How was your weekend? Oh, we're having technical difficulties here with the doc, it seems like, which is great considering the greatest show we have tonight. Uh, we got a jam packed show for you guys tonight. Superstar rapper Mechadon, former Ohio State back guy r- wide receiver, is joining us. Uh, newly named afca region two division two coach of the year head coach pete shinnick of the cinderella story division two west florida university argos will be with us and also coach jim collins offensive coordinator and nfl scout liaison of the navy team in this year's fcs bowl will be joining us as well we are jam-packed tonight we can't wait to get things started with you guys at some point hey doc talk to me tell me how your weekend was Hey, man. Good to, good to hear from you. Weekend was great. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of action.
2: A lot of fun. Looking forward to the show. Yeah.
1: Listen, so before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to thank you all for uh, for listening and, and calling in. Uh, we get asked all the time about our credentials and what qualifies us to do this radio show, so I thought I'd give the listeners a little bit of a bio. Uh, so here you go. I was director of football operations at a Division II university for seven years, as well as recruiting coordinator in fact, I'm the only undergrad in the country to hold that position. I then worked as an NFL agent and CFL agent for athletes for 11 years and was hired by, by a professional team to be a Southeast Regional U.S. scout recently. As for the doc, he was working in a professional in collegiate orthopedic medicine for over 10 years with an emphasis in football, currently a physician, and is, excuse me, and is uh, invited every year to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis uh, where he conducts physicals on the best athletes in the country. So now that I've tooted our horns, Doc, are you okay? Do you have anything to add about yourself, Doc?
2: No, that was quite the horn tooting, though. I appreciate that. Can you hear me all right?
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect, man. So let's we jump know. in. we got a jam-packed show. Let's jump in with our game recaps right now. We only had a few of them, but we want to get started here. Uh, we'll start with, obviously, the biggest game of the year, which was the AAC uh, championship between Memphis and UCF. Memphis 55, UCF 62, and a double overtime thriller, uh, Doc. One of the best games, if not the best game, not in just the state of Florida, but in the whole entire collegiate or college schedule this year. Uh, what did you think about everything there? Man, that was a lot of fun. You know, it was two two offenses just shooting it out,
2: zero defense. It, it reminded me of a uh, of an NBA All-Star game. Everyone was just there showing out, and nobody was defending anybody. But I tell you what, man, offenses like that is what makes college football a lot of fun.
1: Well, and I've been, I told you before, I've been on the UCF bandwagon this year, and that will not stop. They're going to be playing on the January 1st Peach Bowl uh, in the January 1st Peach Bowl against number seven Auburn. Uh, finally, the UCF Knights can finally play a team where they can finally get some respect and hopefully beat the Auburn Tigers. Doc, it's going to be a tough battle against an SEC team, but what do you think is going to happen between that game?
2: You know, it's interesting. It's still not clear if uh, if Scott Frost is going to be involved with that or not. I, I've seen some, um, some stories where Scott Frost is going to be on, coaching, some stories where he's not going to be coaching. i, I got to imagine that at this point he, he's, he's, he's in Nebraska doing what he's got to do there and he's not going to be coaching at UCF. But you, you'd like to think that the, uh, the interim coach can hold his own and keep, keep things going. Um, Auburn's going to be tough. Um, but Auburn just had the uh, the wind kind of knocked out of their sails here, and uh, you know that they, they've lost a lot of their um, you know a lot of the drive I think as far as what they're shooting for. So I, I'm going to go with an upset and, and, and say UCF's going to
1: upset Auburn on, on the last second field goal. I'm I, listen. I, I like that as long as UCF gets the win, I'm all for it. I did watch Scott Frost uh, interview this week, uh, or excuse me, yesterday his uh, his introduction to Nebraska, and they did ask him in the press conference about whether or not he'd be coaching his response was "If they can get everything done in the recruiting uh, with the early signing days that they would love to go back and actually coach those kids uh, to a peach bowl victory, which I think would be amazing for him to go back and do. I know right now, Troy Walters is the interim head coach um, and he's going to continue to do his things. He's taken a lot of those coaches to Nebraska with him. Uh, so I'm just hoping that he goes back and gets an opportunity uh, to go back and, and help those kids win their final game of the year and continue on a I believe they'll end up 13 and 0 in the season and the only undefeated season uh, undefeated team this season. Um, I, I got to uh, say I gotta,
2: I got I got to say a lot of respect to Bill Moose The the interim, uh, sorry, the athletic director at at Nebraska, who basically supported Scott Frost going there to uh, to coach that game, and basically said it would be a commercial for for what the recruits could expect at Nebraska. I don't know if he was just blowing steam there on on the uh, national TV, and behind closed doors he feels differently.
1: But you got to respect, uh, you know, his approach to uh, to the situation. No doubt about it. Uh, moving on, North Texas uh, went to play a year fighting Lane Kiffins down in Boca Raton. Uh, they, they just beat the hell out of North Texas, 41-17 to 17, It wasn't even close. Uh, Lane Kippen also mentioned uh, in the Florida's Coach of the Year with along with Scott Frost. Um, but Lane Kiffin has done a tremendous job down in Boca Raton with FAU. And they, I don't know that they're going to lose. Uh, they're playing in the December 19th Boca Raton ball uh, against Akron. I think they're just going to run up and down the field on Akron. I've watched Akron play. They're not very good this year, and how they got into a bowl is actually surprising to me. Uh, but I know you're a big fan of Lane Kiffin, and I think Lane Kiffin should be, should be moving on to a big job very soon, if not this year. Uh, but he seems like he, he's a very even keel kind of jokester kind of guy. I, I kind of like him. I've, I've learned to like him more and more this year, Doc.
2: You know, I, I got to say, for uh, for for those of you who follow this and, and like offensive football, seeing the combination of Lane Kiffin with Kendall Riles is really something that's fun to watch. You know, Lane Kiffin came from a kind of a pro-style offense, obviously a head coach of the Oakland Raiders, and then you got Kendall Riles who brought in that Baylor kind of blur offense, and you combine the two into something that is just – something that's just not been seen before in defense – have a hard time defending it, and have a hard time with the formations. And, and because of that, I don't see any way that Akron can hang with them. And, and obviously, I, I'm going to go FAU on this one.
1: I'm with you there, and, I, and I, I'm with you. I think FAU is going to just walk away with this one as well. Uh, FIU concluded their season against UMass. Um, I, I told you UMass might have a, has a pretty good defense. Uh, it didn't show because FIU put 63 easy ones on the board against them. Uh, I know that you have a, a very, very soft spot for FIU uh, in your heart uh, because you worked down there at some point. And you know, I just think what these, you know, we talk a lot about Florida State, Florida, and Miami, uh, but FAU, UCF, FIU, these guys have done tremendous things. They've all three have got into bowl games. FIU is going to be playing December 21st in the Gasparilla Bowl against Temple. I've seen Temple play this year. I've scouted their games. Uh, you know, I, I think Seabreeze High School, as bad as they are, could probably compete with Temple right now. So, I'm going to take FIU in the bowl game as well. I think we're going to have a clean sweep of the of the uh, of the Florida teams as far as UCF, FAU, and FIU go. Yeah, I think Butch Jones is is that his name. No, Butch
2: Davis. Butch, I always confuse those two clowns. But well, Butch <laughs> Davis has uh, has has gone under the radar, um, you know, as a coach at FIU, and uh, has done a very good job, you know. And if you think about recruiting. FIU and FAU are the only teams south of Orlando including Tampa that actually has a stadium have a stadium on campus. So, you know, they've got some potential to make some noise. Um, you know, but uh we got Butch Davis uh, doing a very good job and, and I you know, I was down there when back when TY Hilton and Jonathan Cipria played there. Both uh, NFL standouts and, and and like you said, I'm on the uh, FIU bandwagon as well.
1: You know, I got to tell you, you know, these guys don't get a lot of respect. I, I got to tell you. I think Butch what what Butch Davis has done at FIU, what what Lane Kiffin has done at FI, excuse me, at FAU in just one season there, or excuse me, yeah, this is his first season. I mean, yes. I don't know how both of them weren't so they they had the uh coaches of the year have, have come out. Um Scott Frost obviously was was the AFCA uh candidate for uh, for Division 1 uh in the Region 1. Uh, but I, I don't know how Lane Kiffin doesn't get on that list. I don't know how Butch Davis doesn't get on that list. I think what F, what uh what Lane Kiffin's done personally at FAU this year, uh he he's just created a a a atmosphere, an environment down there that the kids want to just play for him. Uh, I, I know he he's a he's a big fan of Twitter. He tweets, he gets on, he he jokes around. I mean he tweeted that he tweeted that meme about uh Kim Jong un in Tennessee, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, you know, you, you you love to get on Twitter and and, and see what's going on. How, what do you think about Lane Kiffin? Do you think he's a guy that can, people can take serious as a serious coach, or do you think that's that's hurting him a little bit when he's on Twitter uh, kind of goofing off? You know, he, he's done some interviews
2: and has said some interesting things. You know, he he sat down with his president and he said, "Look, I can come out here and we can coach and have some success, and we'll get some recognition, or I can come out here and be Lane Kiffin and tweet." And get some publicity, and take pictures with pretty girls, and, and those go viral, and FAU becomes a big story. He goes, so he, so he says to them, "You have to take the good with the bad, and if you want to build this this foundation, this program, then let you know take Lane Kiffin for, for what Kate Lane Kiffin can
1: be." And I I gotta respect that. Yeah, and you know he actually made a comment uh, about his Twitter feed. Uh, I heard him in a, in, a, in a conference where he said that people are gonna get upset with him. Uh, about, you know, if he doesn't take pictures with pretty girls, but they're going to say something. If he does take pictures with pretty girls, it's always something. So, you know, good luck to them. I hope he does well. I really do. And, uh, good luck to the FAU Owls. They deserve everything and FIU, uh, moving on West Florida, our, our division two powerhouse in the panhandle West Florida, which is actually, we're going to actually have, um, coach Shinik on here shortly. The West Florida Argonauts uh, played the number 17 West Alabama. Uh, they won 28-21. to 21. They advanced to the Final Four uh, of, of the Division II playoffs. And they're playing December 19th against the number one seeded Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, actually, Coach Pete Shinnick we're going to actually have on here. Uh, Doc, are we ready for Sammy. Coach? Is he, is he here?
2: He's, he's ready. He's ready,
1: man. He's ready to rock and All roll. Right. All right, let's – Let's go, ahead and bring, let's go ahead and bring Coach Shinnick in. Coach, Coach Shinnick, are you with us?
3: Yes, I am. Thanks for having me on.
1: Coach, it's a, it's a tremendous pleasure and an honor to have you on. Uh, first of all, congratulations. We know you were named the AFC Region 2 Division Two Coach of the Year today. Uh, couldn't have happened to a better gentleman. And uh, we're really excited about what you're doing over there at West Florida.
3: No, I appreciate that. I mean, a lot of people uh, worked very hard for this team to be in the position that it is. And so I've I've got a great staff. I've got great players, great administration. So uh, I'm very fortunate and blessed. Thank you.
1: Coach, some would say that you're having a Cinderella-type season. The program's only been alive for two years. Uh, Last year you go five and six. This year you're in the final four of the the Division II playoffs. Uh, Tell me about what you've done at at West Florida – Talk to me about what kind of environment you've created there and why are the kids responding?
3: Well, you know, as I just said, I, I really do have a great staff, and I, I think we've recruited the right kind of guys uh, that believe in what we're doing. And, you know, one of the fun things about starting a program is you, go, you get to get, uh, you know, and handpick the people that you want in the program. And I think uh, whether you're building a company, whether you're building a team, whatever you're building, uh, you know, your culture has got to be at the forefront when you're trying to build it. And, you know, we we started four years ago with nobody, and we brought in a class uh, in the fall of 2015. Uh, those guys are really the core of who we are right now. They, they had to play a year without games and uh, scrimmage a lot. And then we, we had to learn a lot in 2016 and really – uh this season what I wanted to do uh was just get better and find out where that would take us and um you know we finished the season strong and uh, our guys have just gotten better every week and uh now here we are one of four teams left playing That's amazing.
2: Doc, you have anything for coach? Yeah, coach. You know, you've been you've coached at on on several levels, I believe. Uh, Division one. I. I think you have even had some NFL experience. And and obviously now where you are now. T- tell me, how, how does the approach to coaching these athletes differ? Is is it the same approach and just different environments? Or yeah, you know, how, how throughout your career have you have you adjusted your coaching to to where you are? Yeah,
3: well, actually, my dad's the one who played in the NFL. Okay. He's the one who coached in the NFL. So I kind of grew up around that. And I think really, you know, the approach is and, – and I've been fortunate. I've been a head coach for uh, the last uh, 18 years, going on 19 years. And really the environment set by the head coach. And, uh, you know, I wanted a family environment. I wanted a player-friendly uh, environment. You know, we talk a lot about smart, hard work. We talk a lot about guys doing their best. We talk a lot about, you know, them giving us everything that they have and really doing it in a positive manner. Uh, And, you know, as a head coach, you know, able to create that environment when I was an assistant coach, kind of had the same philosophy uh, and, you know, tried to fit it into whatever the head coach's vision and dream was. And, uh, you know, my vision for this program when we got it was to, um, you know, be uh, as good and competitive in a very difficult Gulf South conference and, you know, find a way to, you know, be as competitive as we could as quickly as we could and, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, at UNC Pembroke, we held the record for fastest startup program going to the playoffs. We did it in our third year, and in the back of my mind, wanted to do it in year two at UWF, and again, we were blessed and fortunate uh, to get that done this year, and then when we got in, we said, you know, we just don't want to be the fastest to get in. We want to be the fastest to win one, Uh, and then after we did that, we said, hey, let's be the fastest to win two, and we did that, and You know, then we won three, and now we want to be the fastest to win four.
1: (laughs) Coach, let me tell you, you know, I I am a Division II product. Uh, I was director of football operations at Lindenwood University in 2004 to 2010 when you were at Azusa. I'm sure you might have heard of us back then. Uh, We were an NAIA program. Yeah. Yeah. I worked for Coach Patrick Roth. You know, he was a a coach of the year as well uh, in the NAIA for Lindenwood. And, you know, we had a ton of uh, – in the NEIA even at Division two when we made the transition, we had a ton of transfers come in and we had a ton of, you know, Division one kids come in. How many of those do you have in your program? Do you think that it's important to get those kind of kids or do you feel that you can build with
3: just, just the kids around you? Well, I think, you know, number one, we, we've built a lot with high school players. and uh, But when you start a program – you can't go get all high school players or after four years, your entire team will leave you. So you've got to stagger the recruiting classes and you've got to be able to bring in guys, um, you know, from different years. And we have, you know, I think we got 30 some odd transfers, but we've got some NAIA transfers. We've got uh, some division two transfers. We've got some FCS transfers, uh, a handful of junior college transfers. And then we do have some, uh, Division one transfer. We've got a tight end from UT San Antonio. We've got uh, a DB from university of South Florida. Uh, We've got yeah. a linebacker from air force, you know, and so we do have those, but really when we, when we started, what we wanted to do was make sure that we were graduating guys every year so that scholarship money would be freed up every year. If all your money was in, you know, which would be our sophomore class, our second class, you know, we wouldn't be able to recruit anybody now, and then, you know, we'd lose our entire team in one year. So we tried right. to stagger the introduction of guys. Okay. No,
1: I completely understand. And like I said, coming from a school, an NAI school that made that D2 trans- or D two transition, I, you know, I know it's important to, to build from – the ground up with freshmen and recruit freshmen, but getting those transfers, those key transfers in to kind of help piece the puzzle together is always, is always helpful. Uh, Coach, let me ask you, you're you're getting ready to play the number one seeded uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken,
3: correct? Correct. Yeah, they are the number one seed and uh, they are undefeated.
1: I'm sure you've seen the film. How do you guys, how do you think you're going to match up against them? And obviously I this show is is dedicated to the schools of Florida, from Edward Waters to to the West Floridas to Miami. Um, we're, we're all on your side. How do you think you're going to do against those guys? I know you're going to say great, which I, I know you will. But you've had a lot of a lot of kind of great games, so to speak, where you've you've come back and won some, and everything's kind of been close. I mean, are you going to match up well with these guys?
3: Well, you know, I. I I, I, I think we do. And I, I feel good about our team. I mean, our team is playing great football. Um, you know, from game one, we lost or we won on a, uh, uh, a last second fumble that we caused, uh, right at the goal line to beat a Missouri S and T team 20 to 16. Um, you know, we beat Florida tech on a last second field goal. Uh, we had to intercept the ball to beat Mississippi college. We were up 21, 14. They were driving, uh, our, uh, uh, our uh, defensive back, Marvin Conley, intercepted it and, you know, got us up 28-14. We lost to Delta State by three points. Um, you know, um, we, we lost to West Al uh, by 17. And then since that time, we've just played great football. Beat Northern Alabama, beat West Georgia twice, beat Winget, and then came back and avenged the loss to West Owl by seven points there. Uh, we have just, you know, we've been in a lot of close games. We've we've played very good football. Uh, our guys believe that we can win. So uh, you know, I, this 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 IUP team, you know, they are very good and they are very sound, very disciplined. Um, but but I like our team. I do. I I love how they're playing. I love how they believe in each other. And I love how they find ways to uh, win football games. Well, the playoffs. I'm
1: uh, oh, sorry,
2: go ahead, Doc. Go ahead and finish your thoughts, and I got one last question, Sam.
1: I was going to say the playoffs are all – no matter what sport, I've always said this, no matter what sport you're playing in, if you go into the playoffs hot, anything can happen for your team. Uh, And like you said, you guys are – you guys are got the fire right now, Coach. You guys are hot. You're kind of firing on all cylinders. And I'm hoping that it's going to take you guys all the way to the end personally. Go ahead, Doc. What were you going to say?
2: Now, Coach, I, I'm a sports medicine specialist and, uh, and I know your team docs really well. you got the Andrews Institute. You guys are in good hands. Um, and the, the entire state's rooting for you. We're all following you. It's a great story. Uh, my, my, my biggest question I have, and uh, to me, uh, whenever I go to Pensacola, I hit up Peg Leg Pete. So what's your favorite oyster over there at Peg Leg Pete's?
3: Oh, you know, I'm not an oyster guy, but I I love their blackened swordfish. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. Been there a couple times, so yeah. Anything blackened, I'm pretty much a a fan of over there.
1: Great, that's awesome, well, let me, Coach. Let me tell you, Coach. Before we let you go, there was a there was a tweet that came out earlier this week. They named Scott Frost and Lane Kiffin as Florida coaches of the year nominees. Your name should be on that list at the top as far as I'm concerned for what you've done to that program in two years. We couldn't be more proud of West Florida Argos and continued success and and good luck this weekend against IEP. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you
3: very much, guys. I appreciate you having me on and uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about our team.
1: No problem. Thank you and good luck to you. coach. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, good luck to you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Doc, what a, what, a, what a good guy, man. What he's done there in two years, uh, you take a team at five and six, your first year your first year of existence. I mean, they didn't even exist three years ago. Your first year, you're five and six. The next year, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the final four of the Division II playoffs. If this guy's not a coach of the year, which he was named FCA uh, Division II Coach of the Year today, uh, Region Two Coach of the Year, if this guy's not the best coach in Florida, or not, it's got to be in the conversation with Scott Frost and Lane Kiffin as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, he's done a great job. Uh, Pensacola is a great area for those who have never been there. Uh, it's going to be easy to recruit kids there. And, uh, you know, I, obviously we're going to be watching and, and hoping they have success this weekend.
1: No doubt about it. And once again, you're listening to an episode of 3 and Out, your everything source for college football in the state of Florida. That was Coach Pete Chinnick of West Florida, uh, the West Florida Argos, uh, just recently named, in fact, today named, AFCA region two division two coach of the year uh, doc. Go ahead and give everybody the call in number so they can call in and talk to us.
2: Yeah. If you guys want to call in, we're we're willing to talk anything about college football. We're willing to talk about scouting. You know, you got Sammy G who's a professional scout. If you've got teams and players you're interested in, give us a call. I myself am a sports medicine specialist. If you have questions about injuries, anything about the sport of college football and football in general, please give us a call, 657-383-1684 at
1: 657-383-1684. Definitely. And listen, we got a jam-packed, jam-packed day today. Uh, we're going to get into the playoffs. we got uh, superstar rapper Mechadon getting on here with us shortly. Uh, I'm going to just say Mechadon is probably one of the biggest uh, – I mean, the guy's unbelievable. The guy was a, a walk-on receiver at, at, at Ohio State. Uh, he ended up getting his law degree. Uh, while he was practicing law, he decided that he, went, he, he felt this something in his body to be a rapper. Uh, at that point, he changed his life and turned into one of the best rappers in the, in the game. And, and Mechadon actually is doing his thing right now uh, as a rapper. We're going to bring him on here shortly to talk about the playoffs. Uh, and talk about Ohio State and see how he feels about what has transpired uh, with the playoff uh, situation there. Uh, Doc, uh, are we going to get Mechadon on here?
2: Yeah, we've got – before we get to uh, Mechadon, we've got uh, caller Steve from Yellowstone is uh, is giving us a call. So let's go ahead and take uh, Steve here. No problem. Steve, can you hear us? I got you. Loud and clear. Hey, guys. Steve from Yellowstone. Thanks for calling three and out. Uh, what, 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 what do you want to talk By about? Way,
1: Yellow, Yellowstone, Pennsylvania, mind you. Oh, okay.
2: I, 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 I thought it was Yellowstone Park out there in, uh, where is that? Wyoming? Idaho? I don't even know where that is. But we're, we're I'm in Pennsylvania. Sure. I'm,
4: I'm, from, I'm from the Keystone State. I'm not really sure.
2: Oh, great. Great.
1: What what do you want to talk about, Steve? Well, I want to talk about IUP. Uh, I think. You guys are going to get smashed this weekend, and I'm uh, really looking forward to that game. What exactly makes you think you have any opportunity to win? Well, let me tell you, man. There's something that, you, that doesn't show up on the, on the stat sheet, uh, uh, and that's hard, buddy. And, you know, West Florida, second year in existence, they've taken that program to, to pretty big heights. Uh, and right now these guys are firing on all cylinders. IUP, obviously, one of the best programs in the country in Division Two. There's no denying that. Uh, but you know we're we're a we're a show that that celebrates Florida Florida college football, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna jump on the bandwagon with our West Florida Argos, and, and they're gonna come up there and and they're gonna give you guys a heck of a game. I can tell you that. I don't know if you've seen what they've done all due, recently. All due respect, all due respect, guys. Not much to celebrate football wise in the state of Florida lately. <laughs> well, we do have UCF, which is the only undefeated team uh, uh, in the Ooh. country right now. So exactly. Central Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watch college football on Saturday if you're too busy watching IUP, but Central Florida is actually the best team in the country right now. 13 and 0, sitting at, excuse me, at 12 and 0. Uh they just won the AAC championship. You m- you might have heard of them, maybe that, not. Obviously the Florida Force Florida Florida. Championship, the ACC Championship. <laughs> AAC, is that the one you were Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, the AAC. Oh, correct, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, good, right. it's, it's gonna be,
2: it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good game, Steve. You know, we'll, we'll see. The uh, the Argos never underestimate any the athletes from the state of Florida. Obviously, Pennsylvania also has very good athletes, uh, especially in football. Did, you, watch, did
5: uh, you happen
1: to watch the Monday night game last night? We did, yeah. We sure, we sure did. did yeah. That's how we do things. That's how we do things in Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's how we oh, do man. things in Yellowstone. And that's how we're going to do things this weekend. Coach Tortorella <laughs>
4: has that team ready to go and they're going to bust some Florida heads. Listen, it's going to be a <laughs> good right, game. I hope, I
1: hope next week you can call back and we can have the conversation and see see what was what. So make sure you're listening Give me next your number. I'll
3: call you tomorrow night. I'll, I'll call you, All right, I'll Steve. Call you <laughs>
1: Sunday night.
2: All right, so, Steve. I've got to feel the Argos are going to be hovering over you like Juju Schuster-Smith did last night. Take care, Steve.
1: Well, Steve is hyped about this IUP. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. All right. Hey, we
2: we got another caller here calling from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, we have John from Daytona Beach. John, you there?
4: Hey, guys. What's going on?
1: Hey, John. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. Thanks so much. So, I got a problem. I'm getting, like, sick and tired of, like, you know, I, I love you, your guys' podcast, but, I'm so tired of hearing the cries of how ECF needs to be in the national champ- or in the national championship playoff. Now, if my, if, you know, you got to consider, you know, the the strength of schedule, who they play, uh, you know, the wear and tear of the season that happens through a, a collegiate football season. And like, I, I think you guys, I know Sam, you're a big fan of ECF, and you think, you know, they, they, they should be there. Uh, I, I, I just got an issue with that, and and you know I'm trying to wrap my head around like you know uh, what you're trying to like you know I know you're about the state of Florida football and all that stuff, which is great, but I, I think you're missing the ball on this one, pal.
1: Well, let me just let me just talk to you about it first. Uh, UCF is one of the best teams in the country. They're they're deserving, in my opinion, they're at least a top eight team uh, in the country. They're obviously going to give an opportunity to show that. When they play Auburn uh, in the Peach Bowl on New Year's Day, Uh, but you know, UCF played Maryland this year earlier in the season. Wisconsin also played Maryland uh, in the season, and they actually beat them by the same score that Wisconsin did. So, UCF, my friend, they have—they're the number one offense, scoring offense in the country. They're averaging 50 points a game. There's only one other top four team. That excuse me, one other top eight team. That's even in the top ten with them, and I believe that's Oklahoma. And Oklahoma scores about ten points less than them. So UCF, only undefeated team in the country, they're going to give that. They're finally going to get that opportunity to 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 show what they can do in the Peach Bowl against Auburn, and we'll see there. I mean, like I said, I've been. You're right. I have been on their bandwagon all year, and I'll continue to do that. You know, John, this
2: this is a a point of this is a point of contention for me and uh, Sammy G he's been you know, jockeying that they that they should be in the, in that position you know I, I agree that they have not played you know they have and it's not their fault but the way the schedule works out they have not played one of the other um, top 25 teams obviously Memphis used to be before they lost so you just it's hard to say where they are but what's going to happen and what happens to teams like this and this is my prediction UCF they just signed um hypo. Uh, Missouri's offensive coordinator, record-setting offensive coordinator. They got Randy Shannon as their defensive coordinator, uh, who's going to recruit really well in South Florida. They're going to have some continued success, and then you're going to get the Big 12 or the Big tens going to look down there and see the, the, the see the city of Orlando. With all the tourists and Disney World and all these things going on, and say, we would love to have a team in that television market. And next thing you know, UCF is going to be in a major conference. And this discussion five years from now will be totally different. But th- that's how the things are going to unfold, I see, in the next uh, five to six years. Definitely. Well,
4: like, you know, talking about this year, talking about this year, though, I think you guys are, uh, you know, I know Sam, he's more in the bandwagon than you are, Doc. But I think you guys <laughs> missed the point. Like I, I'm not, dis- I'm not disagreeing that UCF in a one game, uh, in a one game situation, they can't contend or possibly beat Auburn. I, you know, I, I actually expect them to beat Auburn in the in the bowl game that they're playing. I just don't think Auburn's going to be that excited for. I think UCF has a better thing to play for. But the wear and tear of the season is where is where things are won. Alabama, you know. I'm not an Alabama fan by any means, but, you know, uh, the wear and tear of the SEC schedule or any of the major five uh, schedules is much different than what UCF has to go through. So to award them for playing, you know, uh, in the terms of college football, a high school league type of uh, situation uh, schedule, uh, I I don't think it's right.
1: Well, you know, we're going to find out on on the first uh, uh, in the Peach Bowl, uh, you know, UCF it plays the same amount of games as every other school. doesn't matter what conference you're in or not. Uh, they all bang on each other. They all run on the field. They all put their pants on the same one leg at a time. So we're going to find out on January 1st. And, you know, you can call back as well. And, and hopefully we'll have something to talk about on January, you know, just after the bowl game uh, because Tuesday night's our show. January 1st is a Monday. So we'll be able to talk about them on the Tuesday following that. John, we appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in.
4: We hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. Agree you to disagree. It, buddy. Have a good night, boys. You yeah. too, buddy.
1: <laughs> All right, Doc. Doc, where are we at right now?
2: We, got, we, got, we, got, about, we got Mechadon on hold, buddy, waiting for you. Let's hit Mechadon. him up. Let's Mechadon. get him. Let's get him.
1: Mechadon. Mechadon. Talk to him. Oh, yeah. Mechadon. 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 Talk to him.
3: Here he
1: is. Mechadon, how are you, brother? You, you good, man? Good. How you guys doing? I'm good. Hey, before we get started, this is the song Real One by Mechadon, which was on ESPN. It was a ESPN First Take Song of the Month, and it's blowing up the charts right now. You can actually find this song on Twitter. Hey, Doc, put it up just a little bit so our, so our listeners can hear Mechadon real quick.
5: For
1: the fake love. Yeah. Mecca, that man, that song yeah. is that song is going off right now, my man. I've been playing it for the for the last month, just killing it. I've been wearing it out, actually. I think people are sick of it down here in Florida, but it's so hot, I can't I can't stop playing the bad boy.
5: Thanks, man. I appreciate it, I really do.
1: Meccadome, listen, we appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, I, I've been trying to tell everybody, our listeners, about you. Ohio State walk-on wide receiver, turned attorney, turned rapper, slash entrepreneur. You're kind of doing everything in the world right now. I know you're one of OSU's biggest fans. Uh, A few years ago, you were spearheading uh, Ezekiel Elliott's Heisman run. And we just want to say thank you and welcome to the show. We can't can't thank you enough for being on.
5: Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: You got it, buddy. Uh, listen, well, there's so much going on right now, Mecca, when it comes to college football, and I know you've been on shows talking about the playoffs. You're an Ohio State enthusiast as well. You should be, uh, but let's talk about it. Ohio State did not so, get in. Mm-hmm. What do you, What do you want to say? Talk to me about it. <laughs> well,
5: you know, I I think uh, so the fan the fan in me, I think is obviously upset and thinks, oh, we got a job, we we should have gotten in. Um, The analyst in me takes kind of a slightly different perspective. I still feel like Ohio State had the best argument of all the teams that were arguing for the fourth spot, Um, but I don't believe that any team particularly had a great argument, uh, including Ohio State. So, I mean, if you look at it quickly, just real quickly, Alabama played a fairly soft schedule in comparison to what Ohio State played. Uh, they played one less game. They played one less conference games, and they also didn't win their championship game, right? Ohio State, although we got uh, blown out by Iowa and lost fairly significantly to Oklahoma, we still had three great – our three best wins were better than Alabama's, any of Alabama's wins, and we won our conference championship, and we played in a really, a really tough conference. So if you look at it, you say, okay – and then Alabama scheduled Mercer the week before um, the, the Iron Bowl. So if you look at it, you say, okay, well, if Ohio State had scheduled, let's just say, you know, a Mercer-type team instead of Oklahoma and only had one loss, even a bad loss to Iowa, then they would have made the playoffs. So those things are, are annoying. I feel like USC is getting jobs a little bit. They're not getting mentioned probably as much as they should. And even Wisconsin is, is, has an argument that's very similar to Alabama's argument. One lost team, lost to the number five team in the country, played in the national uh, – not national, but the Big Ten championship. So the, so I think Alabama's argument wasn't that strong, uh, and the criteria that the committees used – and we'll get to this probably a little bit later – the criteria that the committees used in the past didn't seem to measure up with why they chose Alabama this
1: year. Let me ask you, Mecca. You mentioned uh, yeah. Alabama played Mercer. Ohio State did play mm-hmm. Army uh, this year. Would you not consider them almost equal? <laughs> no, not even close. Army's an FCS school.
5: <laughs> right, Army man. wins about eight games a year, and they're a tough team to play. I mean, and you played football, Sam, so I, I know you know this. You don't want to play those triple option teams. Those teams are a nightmare yeah. to play. They're terrible. You know, you're, you're, they're terrible.
1: They're,
5: they're the worst teams to play. And not that they're, not that they're obviously have the talent of you know, you know some of the big schools, but they're a tough team. They run that triple option. You're getting cut left and right. You know, it's 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 not a pleasant game to play in. So. No, I don't look at Mercer and Army anywhere close to the same. And also, I mean, again, I think the the biggest issue is what criteria are you using? 2014, they used Ohio State's you know lopsided win over Wisconsin um, to to get them in, which I thought was fine. And then that led 2015, Ohio State lost by at the last second field goal to Michigan State. They didn't get in because they didn't play in their conference championship and so, so okay. I guess the Michigan State uh head to head thing mattered then. Um but if you're talking about just eye test and talent, I mean Ohio that was that Ohio State team in two thousand fifteen may go down as the most talented team in college football history and I'm not even exaggerating. I mean it's up there with the Miami teams when you're talking about Zeke, Bosa, Mike Thomas, you know, Eli Apple Von Bell, so on and so forth. You know, so that's So then they don't get in. Then we're like, okay, fine. They're valuing the head-to-head, valuing the conference championship. And then um, last year they put Ohio State in despite not winning the conference championship. And I think that, you know, the reason why they did that, Even people are trying to say, oh, yeah, the same thing that happened with Alabama is what happened with Ohio State last year. It's like, no. Ohio State had three wins over top ten teams last year. And so that was what ruled the day. It wasn't just that they passed the eye test and, um, you know, only had one loss. It was the fact that they had also had a great strength of re- strength of schedule and strength of record. So it's kind of confusing what the committee's doing. Uh, like I said, I don't think anyone had a great argument, so it feels dirty, like arguing so strongly for anybody. But uh, I, don't, I don't see necessarily the justification for putting Alabama in, besides eye test. And, and to this to this point, we I feel like that hasn't been what they've been saying they're doing.
2: Yeah, hey, Mecca, this is the uh, the, the, the dog. i I got to say that I'm really impressed with the way the Ohio State fan base has, has sort of reacted to this. And I, I thought whichever team got left out, the fans were going to lose their mind and create all kinds of stink. But I think Ohio State really has handled this well in, in the sense that they just took a step back and say it's very hard to, to decide which team deserved to be. And I honestly thought that Ohio State was going to get in strictly because – I didn't think the committee would put two SEC schools in and, and three schools from the right. southeast, so that that kind of shocked me. But I think the one thing that's overlooked, and I wanted to get your opinion, kind of on the you know the, the the questionable criteria. You know, everyone keeps saying, oh, you got a two-loss Ohio State team, one loss being to Iowa, which they got blown out. And granted, that's hard to overlook the Iowa loss, but. I think what everybody's kind of overlooking is the fact that Ohio State's other loss was to Oklahoma, uh, you know, the, uh-huh. the number the number two seed. And I think if you took that game away and 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 they played, uh, you know, uh, Mother Mary and the and the seven sisters that <laughs> that week instead of right. Oklahoma, and they would have won. Right. Then you got a one-loss Ohio State team with a bad loss. Yeah. But a conference mm-hmm. champion, they're probably getting in. So I, I think Ohio State is getting uh punished for playing Oklahoma personally and no one's really mentioned that.
5: So I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, you know, the the one issue that you know, and so this this kind of creates kind of a dilemma, right? If you're an athletic director or a college football program, it creates a dilemma in terms in terms of scheduling. Because throughout the past, you know, four years there's been an impression that um, schedule, who you schedule that you would get credit for who you scheduled.
3: Uh, mm-hmm.
5: And then also, even in the Big 12, I mean, they kind of forced them, forced them into a, a title game because they said, well, you know, you got to be a conference champion. You got to, you know. So there, there are a lot of things that kind of uh, create these kind of weird um, c- controversies that now make you kind of question, what is it that we should be doing as a program? Should we be playing? You know, like next year, Ohio State has, um, in the next two years, they have a home and home with TCU. Right, another huge scheduling situation.
0: Right.
1: But one
5: thing I will say in Alabama's defense, right, um, with regard to this particular point, is that they did schedule Florida State. And Florida State, at the time they scheduled them, was probably a national champion. You know, they they, they were number three yeah. in, the, in the country this right. year um, when they played them. So, you know, the fact that they fell off is not really their fault. So it's not as if Alabama is unwilling. And I think in the past couple of years they played Michigan. Um, they play, you know, they're not unwilling to play those big games, but they are also. I guess it's smart in a way. The game before the Iron Bowl, they play Mercer. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a that's a tune-up game. You know, Ohio State schedule was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Penn State, then it was Iowa, then it was Michigan State, then so which is just already a gauntlet, right? Then Illinois, you're, then Illinois, Illinois, Michigan. and then Michigan, right?
3: So <laughs> yep. Illinois,
5: yeah, I mean you could. You know, Illinois is not necessarily good, but again, they're still a conference opponent with, you know, Division One, Division One players. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing, and I think I think what you just said is right. Now it's going to create a, a, a complete um, kind of scheduling chaos. Probably, people are going to try to be figuring out, okay, what what makes more sense? Does it make more sense to just try to go through this thing unscathed, play your conference, win your championship, or should we be trying to get credit for playing big boy teams uh, outside of conference?
1: Hey Mecca, we got a call. We got a caller here, uh, Mike from Gainesville. Mike from Gainesville, you're on with uh, Sammy G, in the Doc, and, and superstar rapper Mecca Don.
4: Mecca Don, how are you doing tonight?
5: Good. How are you, man?
4: I'm doing great. Thanks. Got a question for you. So uh, sure. I'm a big fan of uh, Three Now, and, and I was looking at your bio uh, before the show comes, and you and and I wasn't able to hear, but I believe you're a walk-on at Ohio State. And my question for you is, how does, uh, as a a father of a son who is kind of getting looked at by some smaller schools to play college football, uh, how would you recommend someone going, like, you know, maybe, like, what's your advice on someone either going to a smaller school or walking on to a bigger institution like Ohio State? That's a
5: good question. I, I'm a am a former walk-on, just so you know. I'm, I'm old now, but uh, no, but that's a good question. I think I think one thing to, to you're consider not the only is... one, but <laughs> good,
4: good. So yeah,
5: I think one thing to consider is you know what what is the goal of that individual person, and I think uh, you know it's not just everybody wants to play in the NFL, right? So, but beyond that, is it, you know, are you trying to be, you know. Go to the next level, or is this something you just do because you love? Do you want to be on the field? If you want to be on the field, right, and you actually want to play, then going the walk-on route is, is tough and probably not recommended, right? If you want to just be a part of something that's big, you know, be around the, the, the best talent, you know, be a part of a history and tradition, um, you know, that's, that's exceptional, then I think, you know, obviously going the walk-on route is, you know, to a bigger school, is kind of the best route. So for me personally, I was recruited by smaller schools, uh, you know, MAC schools, Ivy League schools uh, uh, actually too, and then obviously D3 and D2 schools and all that. But once I got the opportunity to be a preferred walk on at Ohio State, for me that was was gold for a number of reasons. One, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My whole family had gone to Ohio State. I had a full-ride academic scholarship to Ohio State. Um, and I had only played football in high school for one year, so football wasn't necessarily my dream. It wasn't like something that I had grown up with. and was like, oh, my God, I have to, you know, make it in football. So it was more of kind of a great extracurricular for me. So that's why I said it really just depends on what it is the goal of, of, of the kid is, um, and that's that's kind of how I would look at it. So, you know, make
2: our – go ahead, John Mike.
4: Go ahead. I, I, well, you truly are the American Dream. That's that's quite an impressive story, and your background is absolutely impressive. So uh, that that's just really great advice, and uh, and I, you kind of hit home with uh, kind of what we're thinking as well. So I can't thank you enough for that. Thank well, you so much. Man, and good luck to you guys too. Good luck. Thank you.
2: Thanks, so, uh, so Mecca, uh, Mecca, are you the only uh, rapper in the country that can uh, defend yourself for your First Amendment right <laughs> uh, with your freedom of speech?
0: You know, it's
5: funny. So my, uh, when I, I, I went to law school at NYU in, in New York and, and uh, there was a guy in law school who was a, a year behind me. Um, and he actually it was pretty, we were pretty much the same person. It's weird. He, he's Nigerian uh, descent. I'm Nigerian descent. He's the youngest of four kids. I'm the youngest of four kids. His name and my name essentially mean the same thing. And, uh, he is a rapper as well, and he's uh, we're like you know best of friends now, and it's uh, pretty interesting that there are two of us out there like that. But, you know, it's funny. As, as life continues, I think, you know, this is kind of a quick aside. A lot of people who enter corporate America at some point realize that that's not really what they wanted to do. They did it because that was the path that they kind of felt was chosen for them or, or maybe they're pressured into it or didn't know what else to do. And they realize that they have a lot of different passions, Um, and things that they want to pursue so more and more i'm hearing stories about lawyers doctors engineers all kinds of people leaving their lucrative careers and going to be a a painter or a cook or whatever it is that their heart desires and to me i you know i always applaud those people because at the end of the day you only live once and uh kind of got to live for yourself and at least give yourself a chance to to see if your passion can be fulfilled and if not then you know you've got something good to fall back on
1: Mecca, give me a favor while we we have you on. Tell tell our our listeners, uh, listen, we we all know your story about being a walk-on, former walk-on attorney, rapper, entrepreneur. Uh, But if you could give our listeners a little bit of insight. Uh, The walk-on program at Ohio State, uh, there was an interview with Scott Frost this week, um, excuse me, yesterday when they introduced him as a coach. And he actually, somebody mentioned to him about the walk-on program because he too was a walk-on at Nebraska uh, before he okay. became the man, uh, he was telling everyone how important the walk-on programs are uh, in any college, not just Nebraska, but everywhere. Where you, they actually in Nebraska would bring walk-ons, walk-ons would end up being starters by year three because that's just the way they had so many good kids going in. Ohio State seems to be the same way, the, it, almost a la um, Alabama, just year after year. They don't re, you know, they don't, uh, they don't. Uh, what, what is it? Um, they reload. Rebuild, they, don't, they reload, they don't rebuild, right. they reload, right. So, Ohio mm-hmm. State, talk to me about what's going on in Ohio State. How are they able to do it year in and year out over there?
5: Well, first, as far as the walk-on program, I think the walk-on programs are very important um, at each program, particularly because, you know, just you have a – first of all, a lot of walk-ons that actually come are actually very talented players. Um, a lot of times made, they may be deficient in one area, at least early on, you know, maybe they're not strong enough or <clears throat> they're not fast enough or tall enough or whatever it is, but they all have talent and they all have heart. They're the engine that, the engine that makes practices go. And at the end of the day, if you talk to any coach, they're going to tell you practices are the most important part of, of basically the season in terms of what type of team you're going to be. And so walk-ons bring the energy um, and then also challenge guys behind them. And what ends up happening sometimes the walk-ons have such a huge chip on their shoulder but they outwork everybody and eventually earn a spot on the team. Um, So that's that's that. And then as far as um, Ohio State and the program itself, I mean, I think that Urban Meyer and and all of his coaching staff have done a fantastic job of recruiting and and emphasizing um, kind of national recruitment. I think some of our old regimes at Ohio State, they didn't focus necessarily nationally. They focused so much on Ohio which Ohio has a, a crazy amount of talent, probably number five or number six in the country state statewide. Um, and then they would pluck a couple guys here and there from different states. But now it's really, really a national program. I mean, you have guys from Vegas and Texas, California, Florida, come to Ohio State left and right. Part, and part of it is the success the program's had, but also part of it is the emphasis and the resources that have been put into recruiting. And then also the quality of coaches that you're talking about, like Larry Johnson our defensive line coach is a stud. I mean he's he's one of the great recruiters. Zach Smith, wide receiver coach is a stud. Um and then the other thing is that even at the facilities on campus, there's been a huge emphasis on recruiting and marketing and branding. If you look at even just the social media of Ohio State social media, I mean their videos, their imagery is insane. It's modern, it's 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 hip, it's cool, it's it caters to what, you know, the young kids like. And uh, and then even just as far as marketing, we do a good job of marketing, you know, wins, you know, guys in the NFL, guys who are successful in the NFL, who've been drafted, all those type of things. So um, Urban Myers pretty much number one thing is recruiting, and, and, you know, it shows in the results.
2: Mecca, I, I got to say that, uh, again, I'm, I'm very impressed with the way the uh, Ohio State fan base has, has really handled this. And I, I think from the college football fan that, that like myself, first and foremost <laughs> – I think if you're going to get two teams that are going to cause controversy, there's no two better teams to have controversy than Ohio State and Alabama right now because I'm hoping what comes out of this eventually is an eight-team playoff. The five mm-hmm. conference champions, the one at large being a, a non-power five such as a UCF, and then two wild cards giving us eight teams, and I think that that is sort of the magic number. What are your thoughts for the uh, before we send you out, bud?
5: Sure. Um Well, let me address the first part real quick about the Ohio State fans. I think Ohio State fans, in a lot of ways, have been humbled by a couple of events. One is the performance against Clemson last year. Um, Two is the showing against Oklahoma. And then three this year. And then three uh, three is obviously the Iowa game, which now creates a certain level of insecurity because you don't know what the hell to expect on any given week, even though you know what type of talent you have you realize that 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 now has to be something you have to consider as possible, is losing to Iowa, right, and losing to Iowa badly. And then lastly, other struggles that we've seen throughout the season and other parts of the game, even games that we've won, that the national media may not focus on because we won them, but as fans, we see it. So I think there's a certain level of insecurity that we had when when it came to evaluating this process. Although I think a lot of fans, you know, may think we got jobs, I don't think people are going as hard as they would have had they felt that our output had been consistent and that our team kind of what we could expect from the Buckeyes had been reliable. So that's, I think that's why um, Buckeyes kind of uh, response has been a little bit tempered. And then um, the second part of your question, sorry, I forgot the second part of your question. What was the second part of your question? The,
2: uh, the, uh, the 18 playoff five conference champions. Oh, two. Playoff. Yeah. yeah.
5: So I do think, you know, i I have mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about a playoff at all. Um, but I, I do think that the, the, and I'll tell you why I think, I do think we're headed to an 18 playoff at some point, but I don't think it's anytime soon. If you talk to, you know, we talked to and heard from the commissioners, uh, around each of the power five conferences and none of them are even mentioning that they're not even acting as if that's something that they are even discussing. So that creates, you know, probably a barrier. I think if you're trying to get to the best team, uh, in the country, I think that that's ob- obviously probably the better way to do it, the best way to do it. I don't think it should ever expand beyond eight if it does do that. But I also um, want to talk about why, I think, why I'm conflicted about it. See, and this is, you know, an issue that could, we could probably go into for way deeper than we're going to now, but it's something that I do want to mention. When you're not paying paying players or you're not letting them be a piece of the pie that they're helping to generate and you're then adding additional games, that they may have to play, especially at this level, this, this quality of football, this level of intensity, and the amount of money that's actually being generated as a result of these games and these additional playoff games, that to me I feel like is, is an additional burden that I don't think these players should have to carry unless, just like when they talk about um, expanding the NFL season to 18 games they always, it always comes with additional compensation talk. Now I'm not saying that this is the NFL, but they understand that you add additional games, that's an additional risk. That's additional health risk. That's additional risk for these kids futures in terms of what can happen um, down the line in their careers and medical expenses and all that type of stuff. And then it's also um, a cash cow for people who are making money and it's not them. So, I, you know, I don't, I know, like I said, I know this could go probably for a long time, this type, this part of the conversation, but that just has me a little bit conflicted on it. I think it would be great for the fans. I think it would be great for the overall excitement of the sport to see eight teams. We really feel like we would get to the real champion, but I don't think you can do that without addressing um, that other issue that's lurking behind college football that um, I think is would would be even more prominent if you added more games.
1: That's well said. That's well said. And listen, superstar rapper Mechadon, uh, listen, we can't thank you enough uh, for being on the show tonight. This, this is the best song on iTunes right now. Listeners, go to iTunes, download Real One from Mechadon. Uh, it was the song of the month on uh, NFL. Uh, excuse me. Mechadon, you there?
0: Yeah,
5: ESPN, yep, ESPN,
1: ESPN, ESPN first, day for first song thing. of the month. There you go. ESPN, first thanks, Song of the Month. And uh, just get on there and and download this song. Like I said, I've worn it out of my car, but it's going to stay in there for quite some time. And I can't wait to hear what's coming next from you. Mechadon, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate your insights. Very well said. Very well spoken, gentlemen. And uh, we look forward to having you back on again. Doc, anything else for Mechadon? No,
5: man, thanks. It was awesome. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. And at Mechadon Music is my uh, Twitter handle, Instagram handle, Snapchat uh, Mechadon, M E K K A D O N M U S I C Mechadon Music. So, shout me <laughs> there out. There it is. Appreciate you guys. You
1: got it, brother. Thanks, Mechadon. Have a great night, man. Thank you. Are you? Damn, Meckadon got a lot of stuff going on, man. Not only just not only a rapper, entrepreneur, attorney. <laughs> I mean, this guy. Got a lot of knowledge for someone who's who's a rapper, you know. I, I can guarantee if we put uh if we put another rapper on here, let's just say for instance we put Master P on. Do you think you know anything about the college football uh, playoffs?
2: He he may be a <laughs> LSU fan. I think Uncle Luke could probably hold his own, but no, that was awesome. <laughs> it on, uh, it was great. We we'll have to have him back. Anybody wants to give us a call? We got a few more minutes coming up here. Six five seven. Three eight three one six eight four six five seven three eight three one six
1: eight four. I wasn't kidding about that song, by the way, real one by MechaDon. I mean, it's it's blowing up right now. I was on iTunes earlier just to check it out. I, I've listened to it for quite some time, but I was on there earlier today. It was the it was the song of the month on ESPN's First Take. I mean. This guy every year seems to be creating something for somebody. Uh, he had a song for the Cleveland Browns that went viral. A song he created a whole campaign for Ezekiel Elliott, uh, that went viral as well. So I mean, McAdon is just kind of doing his thing, and not only that, guy's intelligent man. He talks about everything he wants to do, uh, and, and he's got a great opinion, great great insight on everything that's going on in college football, especially when it comes to uh, his his alma mater. The Ohio State Buckeyes, um, so they're going to have a tough game against USC in the Cotton Bowl. Um, it depends, though. You never know which USC team is going to show up. Uh, we know that, that that Ohio State is definitely uh, is definitely a team that uh, can can come on on all cylinders. It all doesn't matter. Uh, it's just Ohio State. You never know what's going to happen there. Um, once again, you're listening to an episode of Three and Out. You're everything source for college football in the state of Florida. Speaking of uh, college football in the state of Florida, we have the FCS Bowl, uh, which is an all-star game here, uh, coming up. Doc, we got a caller coming in.
2: Yeah, we got uh, Coach Jim Collins on hold there. Uh, we'll hit him up.
1: Coach Jim Collins, uh, how are you, sir? This is Sammy G. and the Doc. Uh, you're, you're, you're on with uh, three and out. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, doc, we got a caller coming in. Yeah,
0: we got uh, Coach Jim Collins on. Um, yeah, how you guys
1: doing today?
0: I'm good,
2: thanks. Feedback. But coach, uh, do, 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 you have the, do you have the radio on in the background? We got some feedback. Yeah, Coach. You got to lower your radio in the background there.
0: Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Let's just close it out and, and be done with it, right? There Thank you, you go. Sir. Better now? Coach.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. better. Coach Collins. Uh, first of all, SCS Bowl. Uh, the SCS National Bowl is an annual postseason college football all-star game. Uh, which is considering the top players from uh, football FCS schools. Uh, The first inaugural game, uh, FCS National Bowl, was played uh, in December 14 at FIU Stadium, uh, which actually ended up moving to uh, Daytona Beach to be played uh, at Municipal Stadium, which is the home of uh, Bethune-Cookman College, or excuse me, Bethune-Cookman University now. I'm a a Daytona native, so I always think of BCU as BCC. Um the National Bowl and FCS Bowl are, it's an all-star weekend for FBS schools uh that has been only uh it's the only game of its kind actually to attract numerous NFL and CFL scouts. Uh Coach Collins, talk to me about the game. I know you've been a part of it. Uh first of all, Coach, you're 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 the offensive coordinator for the for the Navy team, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yes, you're correct. Okay.
1: Offensive coordinator for the Navy team of the FCS Bowl. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the game. I know you've been a part of it for quite some time. Uh, talk to me about, about the game and, and, and how, how it came about and where it's at right now.
0: Um, I'm going to say we probably started this game about eight years ago. I uh, just happened to be uh, on Internet looking at uh, different stuff uh, within the area of New Jersey to better myself as a coach and I came across uh, East Prep's website. I saw them previously, and I saw how they did um, pro days for D2, D3 kids who would never get a shot to go to Indianapolis, and this is, you know, before they had the regional uh, combines ran by the NFL. So I just happened to hit up, uh, I emailed Mike Cortez, the owner, and I said, listen, I have a semi-pro team up in New Jersey. You know, if you guys need any help, um, let me know You hit me up And you know, we came down uh, To Allentown, PA In April um, Anyone familiar with Allentown It is not Fair weather in April uh, You know though was spring, it was freezing out there And uh, it was really built This game was built originally to be a free agent ball Slash uh, D3 kids And D2 kids um, You know, kids who Never got a shot because they played at a small school. Uh, we showed up there, and I believe we had about 30 kids for both teams. Um, so I, ma- I made a phone call, and I brought my basically my entire semi-pro team down to Allentown. Uh, we filled the spots in where we were needed. We got the game off the ground, and uh, my team won the first ever uh, game. And from there on, we built it up uh, we turned it into a game until December, where you know college kids were you know finally getting down the season. they were still in somewhat shape to go play a game. Um, our next i guess three three or four seasons um, we played there in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, I believe by our third bowl game, we started getting scouts. Uh, The first scouts to ever come to our game were the St. Louis Rams, now the LA Rams. Uh, We had two scouts from them. We had a uh, scout from the Kansas City Chiefs, and we had two CFL scouts. Um, One was from Montreal, and one was from Toronto, I believe. So we had four scouts out there watching um, D3, D2 players, NAI players, Play the game um, We continued The game the next season You know, Same face show up for us scout wise And now with the last year We had it in Allentown Because every half hour it went from rain, snow Sleep And uh, we, you know, we sat down And me and uh, Mike talked about it And we decided that if we were going to make this thing work We need to move Where it was going to be warm And we'll attract the scouts to come down um, you know, FIU Stadium was uh, graciously opened their doors open to us for uh, three three out of four years, I think, we were down there. Um, and we were down there. We were still doing the National Bowl. We did it for one more year, and then uh, we got great turnout with scouts, probably about 10 NFL teams. And then Mike decided to really turn it up a notch, and let's do – an FCS bowl on top of the national bowl. Uh, we were hoping we were able to get this done because uh, not only getting the players to come in, um, fifty-man rosters each, hoping to or we hope to get, but now the staff that we had, well, now we got to double our staffs and get people down to Florida who were living in you know the Northeast. Um, you know we got we made it, we got it done. Um, and the first year was a success, obviously, and from there on in, once the 1AA kids started coming in, the scouts just came in by the droves, and uh, we we unfortunately had to move up to Daytona uh, because FIU Stadium uh, pulled the turf up to allow for the MLS soccer team to Play there and put grass down. Um, the last year we were in FIU, it rained nine and a half inches in one day. So, got to be able to get, they. we counted out again, we would have killed the grass and never had a game. Um, now we're in Daytona. You know, the, the city's been nothing but phenomenal to us, and, and, uh, and we're lucky to be able to play at the Bethune Cookman University uh, Stadium. Um, Now we have probably almost every NFL team represented down in uh, Daytona. Um, We have every CFL team represented in some sort of fashion down in Daytona. And now we have AFL, arena football teams, and and pro arena football teams um, that not only scout, But coach in these games as well. So these players that are coming down here um, from every level, you know, one double A down to D3, these kids, some of these kids will never get a shot to ever play in front of the scouts like they are now, let alone play for pro pro coaches. Um, You know, that's what separates us from. Uh, any other also game out there um, that may run D3, D2, whatever it may be, is that we get to get down there um, when we get them signed. I think if I'm correct, we put about 105 players on the rosters. I do rosters last year, uh, and we did, I think, 85 the year before. Um, You know, the majority of that comes in January when we come back down and do our tropical ball with the 1A kids. Um, But even the 1AA kids, we have had a lot of success. Uh, We had a local boy um, down from Jacksonville U, um, Justin Horton. He came down, played for us, and he got signed Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, So, you know, we're going to give you an opportunity to flourish in front of all of these scouts it's up Coach, to you to prove what you can do.
2: Coach, this, this is the doc. We we're, we're uh, really excited to have you guys down in Daytona. We're looking forward to actually broadcasting. Sammy uh Sammy G will give that information, but real fast uh for the for our Daytona listeners, uh why should they come out and watch this game? Um you know, give us a quick uh, quick answer as to what your your feelings about uh the game and and, and what it means to the uh to the local area.
0: You know, it, it gives something back to the community. You know, we're coming in to Daytona, and what else do you guys have going on right now? NASCAR's done, right? Bethune is done right now. You guys got basketball. Come out and watch football. You know, you, get, uh, you come in, you're getting two great football games back-to-back. Uh, I've checked the weather. It looks like going to be like 60 degrees on kickoff, which is going to be phenomenal. Um and the talent you're going to see out there, from across the country, is top notch. We vet all these players, we talk to all these players, um, and we get agents coming down. You know, it's a it's a huge uh, uptaking that we've done uh, between me and, and, and uh, Mike Cortez. We have streamlined it where we just move. And the practices are scripted for every team. We have rules in place, offensive, defensively, what they can and cannot do. Um, so you're going to see, you know, you'll see some blitzing. You'll see some funny formations. You'll see, you're going to have a fun time. Um, you know, the NFL-sanctioned games are by the book. Do this, do that, do this, do that. We allow, we allow people to blitz. You know we allow for kids to have some fun instead so the linebackers sitting back there um you know and and it's funny you you some of our staffs they're arena coaches, and all they do is play is coach arena football well you give them some wiggle room to play left man football and they're playing games they're dropping defense ends off, and they're finding little wiggle rooms within those rules to uh to have some fun when they can't do stuff outside of uh Arena football
1: wow listen we're excited coach we want to thank you guys for allowing us to come down uh to broadcast live from the fcs bowl um actually our 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 broadcast is going to be on saturday from 7 to 9 p.m at your agent athlete conference if i'm not mistaken, at the ocean center down there in daytona beach florida Uh, We're excited to get on with some of your players. Uh, There's a lot of big names coming down from the FCS schools, uh, and we couldn't be more happy to to be a part of uh, what you guys are doing there. Uh, You guys have done a great job. I know know the game's been there for a couple years now, um, and and the city of Daytona Beach uh, couldn't be happier to have you guys in there. And we just want to say thank you for allowing us to be a part of what's going on there. And Saturday, December 9th, 2017 at 7 p.m., uh, it's a special two-hour show that will cover the FCS Bowl. Uh, we'll talk to some players. We'll interview some coaches and possibly some scouts that will be around, uh, as well as the owner, uh, Mike Coray. Um, We'll have him on as well uh, to talk more about the show. Coach Collins, we really appreciate you being on the show, and uh, we definitely look forward to seeing you down there on, uh, on Saturday.
0: Guys, it was a pleasure. I thank you. I thank the city of Daytona for having us and hosting us for the last two years. And I hope uh, we continue having this great uh, relationship with you guys, uh, with not only um, your company and and Daytona itself. So thank you again, guys. And uh, I look forward to meeting you guys on Saturday. All right.
2: Thanks,
0: Thanks, Coach. Good
1: luck. We appreciate you. Good luck to you. Thank you.
2: And Sammy, and, and I'm glad I'm glad you specified 2017. That was the most important part of that whole, uh, the whole uh, <laughs> advertisement that you did.
1: No problem, man. And listen, we we are excited. Listen, Daytona Beach hosting the uh, they, they're actually hosting a lot. They got the NAIA National Championship game they're hosting now. Also with these uh, with these All Star games, the FCS National Bowl, uh, and they also host the Tropical Bowl. Uh, in january which is one of the one of the top four uh all-star games they have the uh the senior bowl the east-west shrine game the nflpa game and now the tropical bowl is actually the fourth uh, biggest game in the uh, uh all-star game in the country so it's going to be something great and uh, we can't wait to get down there and broadcast live from there uh as soon as we can um doc do we have uh do we, do we have anybody else coming in
2: yeah, we got uh Aaliyah from Daytona calling in with a question. Aaliyah, what what you got? Thanks for calling three and out.
4: Hey hey guys, good afternoon. How's it going? Good. Good, good, man, good evening. evening. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah no I'm
1: down. Is the coach still on the line? Uh, no, no, the coach no. is not on. Hey coach,
4: uh question for you. What what happened?
1: <laughs> Aaliyah, the coach is not on. So,
4: Coach is not on. Okay, I'm sorry about that. So my my question for you guys is, uh, I was going to ask the coach actually, uh, when recruiting, when going to a house to recruit uh, a young man to come to your university to play. I know I look at your bio and it says you're both uh, uh, former collegiate athletes. What is the uh, what are you guys looking for for a coach to come sell you guys basically uh, when they enter your household? It's a great question.
1: Uh, Doc, do you want to go first?
2: Or do you want me to go first? Thank you. You know, I, I yeah, I think it's um, it's really based on uh, a, a comfort level. Um, you know, you want to you want a coach that you can uh, form a bond with, and you know, you're gonna spend the next three or four years potentially based on, on on your skill level, how long you're gonna be there. But you just want somebody to walk in there and give you a good feeling. You don't want somebody to walk in there. And, and and treat you you know like a used car salesman. So I think just the, the comfort level really goes a long way.
1: Definitely, and and also with that you know prestige, I think for the program is big. Uh, but you know you, you essentially your head coach is going to be a family member for you. Uh, you would hope for four years, unless you're Scott Frost, you're there for two years, and then you got to find a new dad. But uh, essentially, you you want to commit to a four year uh, make a four year commitment to university based on. On the coach, uh, myself, I, I actually transferred after my second year, but, but my coach transferred and I followed him. Uh, that's because I had a huge bond with uh, my coach uh, at Ottawa University. I followed him to, to Linwood University because because of the bond that we had together. Um, but you know, it's all it's all about you know what we hear and, and and all about definitely what the coach has to say. And 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 I think the doc is right. Comfortability and comfort level with that guy. Uh, and, and, and also for me, it was the place where I could play. I want to play now. I don't want to be it for me. I'm not, I wasn't a four-star athlete where I go to Nebraska or excuse me, Alabama. And I know if I go in as a freshman, I'm not playing until I'm a senior. I wanted to get on the field right away. So that, that was also important to me as well.
4: So let me ask you something. You just mentioned something pretty interesting. So I know on the, the, the bigger schools are, uh, you know the division 1 schools when you transfer from one school to another do you still have to wait a year in the smaller schools or are you allowed to transfer and go as you please
1: so as a when you're when you're in the division 1 in division 1 if you transfer laterally you have to sit out if you transfer down you don't have to sit out but and a, and
2: I, a, I think to answer i think also any lateral move would would require sitting out. Isn't that right, Sammy G? So if you're Division II. Yeah, and and, and NCAA, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. NCAA, you have to sit out if you transfer laterally. If you transfer down, you don't. And the NAIA, though, they have their own set of rules. You can do whatever you want. It's almost a free-for-all. You can transfer 150 times in a month, and you can play just the same day. Uh, But NCAA rules, if if you transfer laterally in the NCAA, you have to sit out. If you transfer down, you don't have to sit out. If you transfer up, you do have to sit out.
2: And, and the other, and the other, um, the other option is: you hear about the graduate transfers? And these are guys who have finished and got their degree, and they're able to transfer without having to sit out, as long as the school they are transferring to has a master's program with something that they did not have at their prior school.
1: Correct.
4: And, does, and one final question, and does eligibility start, like, uh, for example, if you were a, uh, a, a senior in college and then you decided to walk on into the sports program of your choice, uh, do you have been four years to play on that team or does it start as soon as you walk on campus?
1: Your clock in NCAA starts, starts ticking as soon as you enroll in your first class. So in the NCAA – your clock starts immediately. Once you once you become in once you sign as an NCAA player, your clock starts immediately. And then the only only difference is the NEIA. The NEIA is kind of their their rules are so much different than the NCAA. But once you once you enroll as a true freshman, you have ten semesters to graduate. That's it.
2: Yeah, and you have the other options if if you get injured, you can get a
1: medical.
2: You can get a medical redshirt, right. and potentially you can get a six-year. Under some circumstances, let's say you were to transfer and also have a medical red shirt, occasionally you can get a six-year. So appreciate the question, Aaliyah. That's a good question.
4: All right, guys. My my wife, Abby, just came home. I got to go. Thanks a lot. All All right, bye-bye.
1: Sure. Thanks a lot. What a good show today, Doc. We've had a ton of guys on, ton of information going on here. Uh, our senior spotlight, which we do every year, is actually going to be held – uh, from the FCS Bowl show on Saturday uh, Be sure to listen to the special edition of 3 and Out This Saturday, December 9th, 2017 As the doc wants me to stress The 2017 at 7pm <laughs> It's a 2018. Show. You don't need that's to wait right. one year
2: for it It is
1: not 2018 right. 2017, be sure to listen It's a special two hour show That's going to cover the FCS Bowl uh, We'll be able to interview some players Some coaches, scout interviews As well as the owner, uh, Mike Borey and uh, that's going to be a special show for us. Doc, Victor Formation. Let's get some Mechadon going here.
5: Mechadon! There,
1: there it is. Talk to him. The real one, uh, Mechadon. Die, and, uh, and, and download this song on iTunes, uh, Amazon, uh, Google Music, whatever you can find. Find this song. If it's going on. It's great. Uh, we just want to say thank you to all the listeners and callers, as well as our special guest. Uh, head coach Pete Schenick uh, from the University of West Florida, ne- newly named AFCA Division II uh, Coach of the Year, our superstar rapper Mecca Don, and coach Jim Collins of the FCS Bowl. Uh, next show, December 9th, uh, 2017, and I stress, 2017, starting at 7 p.m. on location at the Athlete Agent Conference live from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Doc, everything goes for us when we sign out here. Yeah, man. Uh, Victory three formation yeah, like, like a man with a Yo, yo. dogs. Yo, yo, yo. Try be.
5: out for me. I think you got the wrong one. Don't oh, oh, lie to go me, go baby. Don't baby.
1: You ain't never lived a big life. life. Talking about me.